Hi. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> My name is Dr. Christy Morgan, and I am the Arizona Director for Candle Wishes in Phoenix, Arizona. My name is Jenny Williams. I'm the founder and executive director of the Candle Wishes Foundation. I just really felt this burden come over me for these kids. Children mean a lot. Um, you never want a child to grow up feeling like they're not loved. God put this on my heart to want to give these children happy birthdays. This foundation just touched my heart, so I knew that this was something that I needed to do. Okay, y'all, I'm not gonna ugly cry. This is terrible. There was a time in our life where we struggled. Um, there was a time in our life where we lived paycheck to paycheck. One time when we first moved down to Phoenix, a friend of ours, even at Christmas time, paid for my son to have a picture. <laughs> paid to have a picture of our son sitting on Santa's lap and I couldn't afford it because we had just moved across the country. And so, <clears throat> that's always stuck with me. If you would love to sponsor a child, if you would like to throw a birthday party, if you would like to just volunteer, we need your help. Reach out to us so that we can connect and, um, and make our community a better place. Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host and I am really excited about the guest I have on today. This guy has been a friend of mine for several years now. I don't even know how many years, probably seven or eight years. Um, he's been a client of mine and he's just a really, really good guy. I'd like to introduce you all to my good friend, Mr. Senator. Kevin Bacon. Kevin, welcome to the show. Good morning, Ken. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm excited. Hey, it's not, uh, <laughs> I, I know you've been on the sh uh, on with uh, Sean Hannity. It's not the same <laughs> level, but uh, <laughs> so. I'm looking forward to it. This will be a fun time. Yeah. So, hey, you know, as I told you, I created this show to help people have a breakthrough in life. And um, I know you've experienced some ups and downs. <laughs> My first question really for you is, have you ever survived a horrific um, earthquake? <laughs> yes, and, and, and it, it, was, it was one of, it had to have been a, what, a five on the Richter scale. And just coincidentally, Ken Walls was sitting next to me and we both survived and we're both here today smiling and happy and alive. And I can't believe we made it out. Uh, I, that, that was, <laughs> I mean, just to quit. We were sitting in, in your conference room at your law practice and, and, and both of us like look at each other, like what's going on? Like the whole building shaking. And it was the, like the only earthquake I can ever remember in Ohio. <laughs> Yeah. It was unreal. Right in Worthington, Ohio. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy, man. So, um, and by the way, a lot of people are on here saying good morning. Good morning to everybody on Facebook Live. Thank you all for being here. A lot of people have already shared this out, too, so thank you for that. I appreciate that. So, um, I can't wait for you to kind of, um, you know, tell your story, Kevin. You've, uh, I know you know you pretty well, and, and I know you have... Um, You've been through some stuff in life. So um, let's start with telling everybody where you were born and raised. Well, I grew up in northwestern Ohio in a town called uh, Defiance, Ohio. 
Okay. And um, I uh, was there until graduating from high school and then spent uh, four years at Miami University in Oxford, Ohio, and then uh, moved up to Columbus. Well, a year later, I moved up to I went home and worked and then went to Columbus a year later and I went to law school and I've been in central Ohio ever since, since about 1995. And where, where did you, uh, where'd you go to law school? Capital. Capital University. Okay. Pretty popular law school here in central Ohio. Yeah, no, I enjoyed yeah. it. I loved it. Um, yeah. loved every bit of, bit of it and they continue to make a really strong program there. So growing up in Defiance, and for those of you who don't know where Defiance is, that's up near Toledo, right? Yes, it's up in the northwestern uh, part of Ohio. Um, you're right. The county borders the Indiana border, and you're about one county down from Michigan. So you're up there up there in, in God's country, northwestern Ohio. Uh, but uh, and I, I loved every bit of uh, living up there. So, so. Uh, you know, I guess going through school and then, then you know, you went to, where'd you go to college? Where'd you get your undergrad? Miami University. Oh, Miami. Okay. And that's, that's down near Cincy, right? Cincinnati? Right. It's Oxford, Ohio, just, just north of Cincinnati, maybe half hour. Okay. So, so you went to, what, what, did you always know you were going to be an attorney? Well, I thought early in life that I might be, my dad um, who was a, a role, big role model of mine. He passed away uh, just before 9-11. Um, but um, he, uh, you know, I was always intrigued with, with what he did. He was a lifelong practicing attorney. He uh, um, got out of law school and got accepted to the FBI and the CIA and instead chose to move to Defiance, Ohio, um, where my mom was brought up and go into the practice of law, which he did ever since. And that's how I was inspired uh, to get into what I do now. Wow. So I, I I did not know that I didn't know that your dad was an attorney. Um, yes. So so you um, so you followed in in his footsteps, became an attorney. What did he specialize in? Um, he did a lot of uh, real estate, a lot of uh, trust, uh, probate, um, estate planning. Um, up you know in the smaller communities like that, you have to be the jack of all trades sometimes. And um, he had a very strong uh, civil practice. Um, didn't do any criminal law, but had a very renowned, um, very uh, well-known, reputable practice up there with several other partners. So, so, so you came out of of law school, um, probably ready to take on the world, <laughs> right? So, so you you come out of law school, and what 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 happened? Did you start your own practice? Um, after law school, no, my first job was with a judge here locally, oh. uh, with with uh, Judge O'Grady. Um, then I spent some time as a as a prosecutor and worked for the Department of Commerce and some other things before I uh, went into the, the private sector later on. Um, but I've been in my own, have had my own private practice um, that exists now um, since about two thousand nine. Okay, so um, so you went in. So you, now you said prosecutor. So you, you were a prosecuting attorney. I was early in my law practice out in uh, the city of Lancaster. Wow. So it was a great way for uh, an attorney uh, fairly fresh out of law school to really get indoctrinated into the practice of law. It's a good, good experience for everyone to have um, because you get put in. Um, if, you're in a, if you're a prosecutor with a very busy docket, and most of them that I know are, um, you have to be able to make decisions quickly um, at least in my situation, many, it's a very high workload, high stress. Um, you, you know, 
and, and you have to be able to, to try cases and, and know the law and, and be able to, to do things instinctively. So that was um, a good challenge for me early in my, you know, in my law career um, before I went on to other things. So you like, and I think that, you know, I'm I would imagine that at some point along the way during all of that, um, I mean, were there hiccups? Were there obstacles that you hit that, that always, yeah. When you're, when you're in the practice law, especially prosecution, um, you have hiccups and obstacles daily, um, because you have so many variables. Um, you have a defendant, you have defense attorneys, you have multiple witnesses, you have a judge, you have sometimes jury members. Um, but you go through difficult things, you know, I have, you know, my things in life that I've done that I fall back on that, that made me, um, you know, I think persevere and, and, um, made me a hard worker early in life that I always revert back to that I think was very helpful in many of those situations. Sure. So, and, and then at some point, uh, as, as you're, you're, you know, humming along practicing law, um, and you do, you're, you, you do primarily like probate stuff, right? <clears throat> Um, I do probate. I do estate planning. Um, my specialty area where my, my niche, where I get more work is special needs estate planning. Um, there is a high demand um, for families who have children with special needs to get, to utilize special needs trusts. Uh, many estate practitioners do not do that. Um, it's a complicated area of law. Um, I have a daughter with autism, so I do a lot in the special needs community. So um, I'm, I kind of realized, why am I not doing this? So some years ago, I took about a year to learn it before I tried to get any clients in that area. So that's my niche um, in terms of my practice, my niche area where I probably get more work than others. And I'll do anything in probate court um, or guardianship related, and a little uh, real estate and small business to mix in with that too. Wow. <clears throat> so so um, there's not. you said there's not a lot of people that are working in the, the special needs area? That's right. A lot of estate planners don't do special needs trust, um, but um, there is a high demand for it. And those of us that do, um, you know, you can get uh, you can help a lot of people. Yeah. So, you know, one of the one of the things that I know, because I know that eventually you got into even greater levels of, of public service. Um, let, let's talk a little bit about that. So at some point you decided to run for for a public office. Yeah, I was um, when I was getting settled here in central Ohio, I got out of law school, uh, moved to the village of Minerva Park, got a job, all that fun th stuff. I, I wanted to get more involved in politics. My mom and dad were very involved, were, were great public servants. My mom's still alive, but my dad has passed. But they um, were active um, locally and politically, um, Republican Party, but also um, charitably um, and also um believed in, in getting people out to vote regardless of their party affiliation. So I grew up around a lot of this um, early in life. So I'm naturally curious. Um, and um, so wanting after getting out of law school and getting established, that's when I uh, kind of went down the, uh, the path of elected office um, within the Republican Party. But then I, my first office I ran for was, uh, t was township trustee in Blendon Township, um, which Minerva Park is a part of. So that was my first a public office that I that I ran for at the age of 29. Wow, I have a friend on here right now. I think he's still on here, um, Chuck Studebaker. He's down in in the Atlanta Gwinnett County area, and he's 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 a client of ours too. We built his website, but he he um, 
he's running very first time ever he's running for the school board (laughs) and he's calling me you know we're going through like i'm like yeah dude that stuff happens on a campaign and you know like he just got roasted in the atlanta journal constitution (laughs) but well campaigns are very very difficult uh to maneuver and if you've never done one before um the first time out it can be very shocking i've had to coach a lot of new candidates and to add on to that if he's running for school board um, that's one of the toughest offices to run for of any office. Oh, is it uh, really? Well, in my opinion, because because you know, you're any public official is under very close scrutiny. But but I have to my hats off to those who serve on school board because you also have school administrators, but parents that are very emotional, and, and school board members get put in positions where you can't satisfy everyone. So. Um, dealing with the, the children and the parents and the issues daily is very difficult to, you have to have a very thick skin. So hats off to him. I know. And he's a great guy, man. He's a great guy. He's, uh, but you know, they, apparently he used a, a part of a, his logo is like part of, it, it looks too similar to the school board's logo. Oh, oh. So, <laughs> I won't comment on that one. <laughs> yeah, so, so they wrote him up. Hey, they wrote him up in the Atlanta Journal Constitution and in the Gwinnett County paper. I'm like, dude, you can't pay for publicity like that. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> like, he said, they mentioned my name 10 times in the article. I'm like, that's good. <laughs> good. Every, like, people just unconsciously think, oh, yeah, I've seen his name. <laughs> So, so, and so, you know, that when you're out there and you're doing the stuff that you're, cause, cause, you know, I know like you started at trustee, the trustee you said over in, in uh, Minerva Park, right? Yeah. I lived in Minerva Park. It was Blendon Township. Oh, Blendon trustee Township. Township. And yeah. then like, what happened next? What was the next step for you in your political career? Well, um, it's, it, it's interesting in elected office. People get to offices, um, in different ways. They have different backgrounds. But what I found was having um, some time as a township trustee, you learn a lot. You learn about road repair. You learn about hiring a police chief. You learn about managing, you know, you implied and manage the employees directly, but you learn how, what it is like to run, what's like to run a government. Um, so that, a, that has been extremely helpful going forward. I gained a lot of experience, um, started learning more about government and funding, um, and then ran for re-election to the House of Representatives, or I'm sorry, to Blend, for Blendon Township trustee. Mm-hmm. And then after getting elected, um, we found out that the House seat that I lived in at the time was going to be vacated. The House of Representatives member, Linda Reidelbach, decided to vacate after four years instead of serving eight. Um, so I was positioned well um, to go forward to be able to get the, the, the nomination for, for the Republican side anyway. So um, so that's, was kind of my transition into legislative elected office. So you, you and, and you won that, right? You barely. Barely. Well, for, you know, and, and I'm trying to make this a political show, but if no. I can explain the political landscape, this was, um, this would have been, I ran in 2005, Okay, mm-hmm. and a district. The district has been changed since then, but it included Minerva Park and Worthington, some of Northland. Um, and at that point, was um, was a Democrat favorite. I'm running as a Republican, of course. Um, so, at the, in the same year, it was a very difficult election cycle. It was the year 
Um, Democrats won every office statewide. That was when Governor Strickland came in, um, yeah. except Mary Taylor was the only she ran for one for Otter. She was the only Republican statewide that won. So being in a Democrat leaning district, it was an extremely difficult race. Yeah, um, I started in the beginning of May and started personally door knocking. Um, and by the time I hit Election Day, I personally <clears throat> had hit 12,000 doors, um, not just leaving a piece of literature in someone's door, but knocking. Um, and when wow. we did the polling, um, when the pollsters went in the field to the polling, everyone, the people, consultants and things we used on our campaign staff knew I really was knocking because that gets reflected in your polling. People will say that they met you at the door. Um, every person <clears throat> got a hand-delivered letter. And then wow. within three or four or five days, I was hitting them personally. And then they got a handwritten note after I was there. And um, that direct voter contact um, and doing that over and over. Then we had to raise money to do the TV and radio and all that. Yeah. Uh, it took all of that to barely get me through by like on a 1.25% or something like that. And I, I, I want to bring up a good point because, you know, again, <clears throat> I'm sure you have friends that are that are on both sides of the aisle. <clears throat> And and, you know, I think that um, the the lesson in in this whole thing for anybody watching is it really has nothing to do with Republican or Democrat. It has more to do with getting out there and pounding on the doors, pounding the pavement and putting in the work. That's right. That's right. People, voters love that personal contact. Yeah. Um, oftentimes, if you visit your door, that will make. The difference right there. Um, but then also some of the things that you work on make a difference. I do a lot in the special needs community, for example. Um, if I talk to an independent voter or maybe a Democrat voter that really cares about that, um, I have a good chance that they're going to support me um, because of that issue and, and they'll toss the party label aside. So uh, voting means different things to different people. But without a doubt, personal contact is one of the most effective things I've been able to do. And and I that's one of the things that I love about you because I know that you, that's not the only campaign where you went out door to door. And, that's right. and you and I both have a, a mutual friend who's a a local a local Franklin County judge, and and he's a beast like that too. I know, right? <laughs> I, he is. Like I used to work for that guy. Like he's a beast. I first him on his recorder's race when he first ran for recorder. Yeah. I mean, and, and so, you know, it's not just guys selling pots and pans and windows and siding and, and whatever. Like, there's there, you're out there doing the work. You're hitting the doors. You're pounding on doors doing, doing the work. And, and so, you know, I want to make that really, really clear that it's not like, you know, running for office, although it looks glamorous because you were on Sean Hannity's show and now an even greater show, mine, um, <laughs> no, but like, you know, so it looks glamorous, but at the end of the day, you go home, you're like, holy crap, my feet hurt and my knuckles hurt. I knocked on a thousand doors or whatever, right? Yeah, that's exactly true. And when I talk to aspiring legislative candidates, I get calls, you know, often of people that want to run for office. And the first thing I tell them, if you're going to go run for the Ohio House or the House Senate, they oftentimes think they're going to have <clears throat> this big platform they're going to lay out on the Internet and, and maybe host a debate or go to things where everyone's going to come and watch. And people, especially in central Ohio, it's densely populated. We have a lot of legislators in close proximity. It gets very cluttered. It's hard for people to pay attention to all what's going on. I say, no, you're kidding yourself if you're going to win an election by getting people to come to you. 
Right. Um, not in this kind of race. You have to go to them. Um, you still do the candidates forums and you might get 25, 30 people there or something. And that's, that's a good thing to do too. But I said, you have to be willing to invest a lot of time and effort going to the people um, because you're only going to have so many that are going to come to you. So I think there is, you know, again, this show is about having, helping people have a breakthrough. And, you know, I, I would say that this, what we're talking about right now, take away all the politics, take away everything. And, and for the person who's, who's suffering, that can't put 50 bucks together or, or whatever, like, there's a solution. The solution is called working your face off. Like go, right? Like you got to move. You got to go. Like <clears throat> I think that, that, you know, you could go out and win any election um, that you ran for just about if you went out and personally visited everybody that's, that's, that's you know, a possible voter for you. It, it surely does help. <clears throat> and to be able to just kind of go, you know, I – I revert back to a lot of things when, you know, I've, I've been able to be successful in things that were very difficult. But, um, you know, I think back, you know, my dad was a role model of mine and taught me everything I needed to know. And um, and then in sports were times when I got put in very difficult situations. Yeah. Um, and I finally thought I met my match when, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I played football at Miami University. Um, and I was, uh, by then, I was a full contact player. But for the Division One A teams, they looked at me for punting and not so much as a, the other positions I played. Um, but the uh, first day we showed up at Miami, Coach Walker, you know, met with all of us. And he said, just so you know, just because you're special teams, you're going to be doing everything everybody else does. And that four years playing for Coach Randy Walker, God bless his soul, he passed away after he became coach of Northwestern University. Oh, wow. Uh, but um, he... It was one of the hardest things I've ever been through in my life. And they would intentionally put you in situations where you were worn out and you were tired and you didn't think you'd run another sprint. And then they would, you know, you'd get ready to run a sprint and they'd call a different cadence. Yeah. Um, you know, football might be set, ready, hut. Well, you do that 20 times in a row. Then they tell you, now we're going to go on two. Well, then it's hard to adjust. And, of course, one person's going to jump and the whole team has to run to put yourself in that situation where you have to concentrate when you're tired. Um, you don't think you can take another step and then force you to function and to think. Um, I still have dreams about that. I wake up in the middle of the night and think, oh, my gosh, I'm on the Miami football field. And <laughs> I worked out like this in all these years, and I think I'm back at practice and I'm not in shape. And So um, th those were some very tough things I went through that I pushed through um, that I still think back today when I think, well, this is really hard, I'm thinking – now I can put a little more, I can do more, and um, there's more that I can do, and I can work harder because I've done it before. And I had a lot of people that helped me get there. So, Well, and I, I, again, it comes down to you can always do more. You just said it. Like there's always more left in the tank. Whether you think there is or not is really irrelevant. Like you just have to try. You have to go. Well, and I think, Ken, a lot of people get to a place in their career or their life or their schooling, whatever it may be, and – it, the, the, sometimes things uh, start to become repetitious. Yeah. Uh, they may not be motivated anymore um, because they're not seeing the successes they want. Um, the first time I ran for the House of Representatives, the adrenaline was sky high. Or the first time I ran for the Senate, sky high. When you run for a new office, you're motivated. When you go to run for re-election, you have to push yourself a little harder because um, 
you know, it's, it's just not as invigorating sometimes. Right. Um, so there are times like that in your life and you think you're going to stall. Um, and then you have to work through it or maybe get a new perspective, do your research, find else what else there is out there, reach out to your mentors, your family, um, all kinds of things like that you can do to get um, what you want to do back on track um, to be able to be uh, successful and motivated and have a you know, happy uh, career. I, 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 I can completely relate to that. We all, we all get there, right? We all, we all get um, burnout complacent i think you said complacent right you go man if i if i you know hear one more person ask you know how much is a website (laughs) i'm kidding but like you know you get to that place where it's like you've done it so much that it it becomes um uh, too repetitious probably but so so you ended up leaving you 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 went from the house of representatives (coughs) and mm-hmm. into the Ohio State Senate. I did. I was. Uh, I came into the House of Representatives um, in, uh, I ran in, I said 2005, or that was wrong, it would have been 2006. So I served 2007 and 8, and then um, 2009 and 10, so that was two terms in the House. And then at that time, <clears throat> excuse me, the existing state senator, um, David Goodman, had was term limited out. So after four years in the House, I made the decision, instead of staying in the House four more years, I made the decision then to run for the Senate. I think that's when, um, I, think that's when I met you. I think so, yeah. Because we did, we did your first uh, Senate campaign website. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember that. 2010 election. Yeah, wow. God, it's been that long. I think so. Jeez. <laughs> um, so, so you... Um, so you let and 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 you had no guarantees, right? <laughs> like you, you had no, no guarantees that you're going to win that that election. If you if you're if you're totally risk averse, then politics isn't for you. Um, I'm not saying you you know everybody has their own degree of risk, and that's not necessarily a bad or good thing. But you definitely have job security to deal with when you have to keep getting reelected to stay in office. <laughs> right? How much insecurity does that bring up? <laughs> like, you know, I tell you what, Ken, I never really thought about it when I was running. Um, I was just determined, always determined to win. Um, and then if it doesn't go your way, you've got some time there at the end of the year to figure out what you're going to do right. um, January. But uh, a lot of drive, a lot of determination. You just have to work hard and have that laser beam focus and go forward and and uh, not worry about some of those things. If something like that's going to keep you up at night, then it probably isn't the, 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 you know, the right career choice. Yeah. Well, and I think that's, I mean, look, if, if you're going to make it anywhere in life, if you're risk adverse, you know, that's not for you. But I, I think that, that, you know, it's about anything. Like how I, I can't relate to somebody, um, I, again, I understand that there are many, many, many people out there that, that, that you know, do regular um, jobs, and that's cool. I've done them. Um, and I think it builds a lot of character. I mean, I, I worked in farm fields and all that as a kid. I'm sure you did in Defiance, Ohio, <laughs> I would imagine. I did in farm fields, but I did a lot of things that I didn't want to do to, yeah. to, be able to, um, <clears throat> to save money to be able to do things later on. Right, right. So, you know, that, but that's the thing is, is, you know, 
a friend of mine was was telling me the other day that he interviewed some kid fresh out of college um, that said sat down in the interview and tells the owner of the company, hey, listen, um, to save us both some time, if this doesn't start at seventy thousand a year, I'm not interested. <laughs> like I said, what? <laughs> what? This is a fresh college grad <laughs> with a. Like, I'm like, w w he said that? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, what'd you say? He said, get out of my office then. Like, no, it doesn't start at 70000 But, you know, again, like, it requires, I mean, I think that, and maybe it's social media that's causing it. I don't know what it is. But um, I think that there's a, a huge part of the population that, that, that thinks it all comes easy, it comes fast, it's overnight. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I, I have friends that are mega millionaires that are like, yeah, it was overnight. It took 15 years. That's overnight. <laughs> right. Or 20 years or whatever. Right. Yeah. So. So what are like some along the way, though, like leaving the House of Representatives, you go to the Senate, you you still have your law practice. Right. Mm -hmm. You're still practicing law. Yeah, in my entire time in the General Assembly, I've had employment outside of it, which is fairly common. Um, right. I was uh, doing legal work with, I was doing regulatory and legislative work um, with Farmers Insurance, their state executive office here in Ohio, when I was um, transitioning into the House of Representatives. And I stayed with them in their branch legal office for a while and started up my own, my own practice. So, um, so yeah, that's part of the, for, for many of us, that's part of, being in the General Assembly is not only campaigning, but having to, to juggle two jobs as well. Right. So so what are some of the challenges that you you have faced? And, and when I say that, I'm talking about, again, I think that, you know, a lot of people look at um, politicians as a bunch of evil people that are <laughs> out to really help themselves and, 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 and nobody else. And and there's this just this weird thing that people and, and I know and you know that's not the case, but what are some of the challenges as a public servant in the state senate, house of representatives or whatever level, what are some of the challenges that you face in in helping your constituents? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> you kinda got into part of it there, Ken. One of the challenges is it is hard sometimes to broadcast what we do. Um, we're doing things nonstop, sometimes having very long days from early morning to late night. It's virtually impossible to keep all of your constituents updated on everything that you do. Um, and so um, when, when you talk about the perception that people have of politicians, oftentimes they'll say, you know, much like they say about lawyers, well, I hate lawyers, I hate politicians, except for mine, except for my yeah, lawyer. Right. <laughs> so the... the the story to be learned from that is when they personalize, when you personalize things, it changes. Right. When you think of these people as a group and you hear some of the rhetoric, um, then people's perception perceptions are different. So um, it, it is challenging. We work with a lot of issues. Many of what we do is not divisive, contrary to what people think. We pass bipartisan bills all the time in the General Assembly. Yeah. Um, very high percentage of bills are Democrat and Republicans that vote on them. But th that's not as much fun in the media. <clears throat> a lot of those bills aren't going to get covered quite as much. So many of them do, but um, yeah. some of them aren't going to get the coverage. So um, more contentious bills are more likely to, to get 
covered in the media. Um, sometimes we just think differently um, in terms of our philosophy, and it's not necessarily anything personal. Um, I can tell you in the Senate, you know, we we always want to get our message out there, but come and watch the Ohio Senate operate sometime. Um, by and large, it's collegial. Most of the time, it is. Uh, we're most of us are good friends across the aisle, Republican and Democrat. Um, you learn how to work with each other. Um, it, I know that maybe a little different on the federal level right now, but even many of them have the same work in the same fashion. But it's hard to hard to see that when you can't see what all of them are doing. So getting that message out. I've worked on many large pieces of legislation. I've been able to get many of them passed and have done a lot of great things also for constituents that are never going to hit the newspaper. Um, so, um, so those are the kind of things that are hard to get, to get the word out to people, what we're doing. Well, and I've, I've said many times, you know, don't compare your movie to someone else's highlight reel. And (laughs) and I, I, right. I, I think that a lot of people, and and again, I, I, I not everybody, but I think a lot of people see these tiny little sound bites on the news or read a, a three paragraph article about a a bill or about something going on in government, and and they do, they just don't they're they're basing their entire opinion, which is what the the the, the writer of that article wanted you to do, <laughs> right? They wanted you to base your entire existence on what they wrote about this particular thing. And that's, you're yeah. not, it's, it's like 99.9% of the time, you're not seeing 90% of what what's going on. Well, Ken, I've done a lot of media since I got into elected office. First as a township trustee, it was mostly newspaper local newspaper. And then it went on to doing a lot of TV and radio and, and the, you know, for, for the media, they're trying to get a message through very quickly and succinctly. Um, and each of them much differently. Sure. Um, if you go on TV, um, you might have your picture in three bullet points and that reporter has to explain it in very general terms very quickly yeah. to get any attention. Then they're on to the next screen. You ever see how many times the screen changes in, in TV shows now or in news, yeah. you got they got to keep people's attention. Um, so, um, so yes, and and that's where it, when you do interviews, you try to get the right message across, right? Uh, because there's only going to be so much that they're actually going to run on the TV or in the newspaper. It's only going to be a small portion of what you actually said. Right, right. So, so you like, and and. What's going on now? You're still a state senator. You have a, a law law practice. You're practicing yeah. law. Um, what's what's coming up for you? Um, I'm uh, finishing my my term in the General Assembly um, at the end of this year. Then I'll continue to practice law, going you know full time into January. Um, in many of the areas that I'm practicing now, there are also things that I can do, um, state legislative or executive agency related that. I can't do now because of conflicts of interest. So um, I'm going to finish up strong. We have what's called lame duck session. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that or not, but at the end of this year, um, we'll have a month. And this is the time period. Uh, I'll explain it quickly because the lame duck session in the General Assembly is probably where the most happens in the least amount of time. Wow. Um, we're finishing the our General Assembly every two years as a new General Assembly. We're finishing that at the end of this year. And so you have we have bills that uh, many of us want to get passed before the end of the year, because after the end of the year, the bills expire. 
Um, if you go into January, you have to reintroduce the bill. In my case, I can't. <clears throat> I'm not going to be here. Right. So we'll come back. We're typically off from sometime in May or June on an election year. Then we'll come back after the election. Now, many of us still work. When I say off, I mean we're not doing the, the full Senate voting sessions. Right. Um, so we'll come back in November after the election and have about a month from middle of November to middle of December to finish up the bills from that we've worked on, many cases, even up to two years. Wow. Um, to get them done um, before the end of the year. So we work very hard, many late-night voting sessions. I've been... I've been in the state house every minute on the clock every day of the week, you know, three, four, five in the morning, whatever it may be, uh, to, to get all this done before the end of the year. Uh, many of these bills take a lot of vetting, and you have to pay a lot of pay attention and do a lot of work to make sure you get it right. So, we'll, we'll, I'll be going back. This is my last hurrah, but I'll be going back full bore here um, for this this lame duck session. Um, to get it done. And just so you know, the lame duck, I'll explain something that might be interesting to the viewers. Yeah. Candidly, most states do not have a lame duck session. Um, lame duck is when you have session days after the election, but before the legis the General Assembly um, expires. And the reason that's controversial is some people may want to tend to push bills until after the election so they don't have to deal with them before. You also have a higher number of legislators that are term limited um, or not running again that may feel differently about a vote. So it's, some people look at it look at it different ways um, as to whether it's a good or bad thing. But um, what, what I can say is a lot a lot gets done in that time period before we leave because your pressure is good oftentimes for all of us and the pressure is on all of us now to get our work complete before the end of the year. Where's where's the term? Where does the term lame lame duck even? Where's that originate? You know what? I I don't recall historically where it started. I think I may have researched it at, um, at yeah. uh, you know at uh, at one point, but yeah. um, it, it's a common term. That's uh, yeah. You know, I've that's, heard of, I've heard of it. I just I never knew what it was. So yeah. so you know people that um, like you're you're at the end of your term. You're at term limit, right? Like, I'm term limited out of the Senate. That's yeah, correct. Yeah, um, and and so you're not you're you're done with um, with public office for now. For now, and in, in, you know, in the General Assembly, term limits were enacted by ballot initiative back in the late 1990s. It was not the General Assembly that did that. Um, so you can serve eight years in the House or eight years in the Senate, um, and then you can run again after you've left for four. So oftentimes. Legislators will go back and forth from the House and the Senate. Oh. Uh, so that wasn't just, just something that I, I didn't have interest in doing. I, um, but a year ago, oh, maybe a year and a half ago, I started thinking and working on what I was going to do after I left here. And it was pretty much all private sector related. I had offices that I could run for. Yeah. Uh, I decided not to, <clears throat> um, with the exception that I would run if my congressional seat opened up. And it did open up last year. Um, unfortunately, it was my only election I ever lost was unsuccessful in the primary. Um, but it's OK because um, that was the only office that at that time I was interested in running for. Yeah. Um, so I'm back to my plan I'd originally set before that. So um, governor. <laughs> no, anytime soon. Um, yeah. So, um, so no, it'd be full private sector at the turn of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Planned that all along. I didn't plan on doing this my entire career. Right. Right. Well, I know um, you've done some amazing things. I know that you helped 
Um, I, I think it was you that presented the bill for the to help autistic children and special needs children here in the state of Ohio, and, and I know that 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 bill got got passed. Like, um, I've done quite a few. Yeah, I've worked uh, on a few pieces of legislation, special needs and autism related. Wow. <clears throat> I'm going back to you know, my first year in the General Assembly even. Um, so it's always what happens in the General Assembly is if you work, you know, if you have an issue of particular interest to others, and if you do one thing in that area, they will start to come. So um, my first term in the General Assembly, the Ohio Autism Society knew I had a daughter with autism, so they wanted me to work on a program to get $800,000 um, for a two-year time span to uh, diagnose children earlier with autism. Um, and it was an educational effort with doctors and teachers and healthcare providers. So I came in as a first term House of Representatives member with a Democrat governor. And, and we got this idea. We worked on it. Um, so I contacted the governor's office. Um, and um, I actually had assurances from the governor that, that he would support that line item in the budget um, before I even had assurances, you know, in my own party. Um, so it was a good example of working bipartisan fashion. Make a long story short, that did pass. We got the money in, um, and <clears throat> there were attempts by certain state agencies to get a line item vetoed at the at, right before the budget passed. Wow. Not because they were against autism, but because they wanted the money to go to cancer or something. This is where it gets tough in the General Assembly. It's all important, you know. Yeah. So, but so I thought we got it passed. I thought the next year this is going to be a fight to be able to keep the money in because we knew people wanted to use it for other things. Magically, the, the data that we produce as part of this program was in high demand. And we had three different state programs that were using that data. Um, so we, we were able to quantify um, all the positive, the, the positive impacts of the program. And after that, it was a piece of cake. Um, then it just we're able to to do it ongoing at a much lower cost um, and the demand for the information we had was so high. So so then more people start to come to you from the disabilities community to get legislation passed, knowing that you're the one that did that first piece of legislation. So I just naturally worked on those issues um, throughout in many, many different fashions. And I, I you know, I, that I, I wanted you on the show because I wanted um you know, again, there's the stereotype of of politicians, um, and and I, you've, when you've been on my live streams, I've said he's not like <laughs> the stereotype of a, you know, I, I wanted people to know that because I know that you get letters and probably emails and all from all kinds of people in your your I don't know if it's called a district or what whatever area you serve um, that, that have you know, all the di different issues. Um, and I know you as a human being, not just a politician. And I know that you actually care about people and you actually care about, you know, serving people and helping people. And, 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 and yes, I believe there are plenty of politicians that could give two craps about serving people or helping people. There's plenty of them, right? Um, but you're not one of them. I think that there's a lot of politicians that do gen genuinely care. Oh, yeah, and many of them do. And um, in the state general assembly, we have my district has about 330,000 people. It's big, but it's still small enough that we can, I think, manage our constituent base very well. Yeah. Um, the first day I 
came to the General Assembly, my House staff and my Senate staff, um, they know that they can pretty much just book meetings as we get phone calls. Um, one, maybe someone um, that works on Capitol Square that has a builder working on for a client, or one might just be a constituent that has an idea. Um, so the meetings pretty much just get booked without getting any permission from me as to what they want to talk about or what they want to now, there could be exceptions to that. We've had a few things in the past that people may have wanted to come in on a dicey <clears throat> legal issue yeah. or issue that had some legal ramifications that we had to, you know, have them do something else um, that we couldn't get involved in. But but by and large, and I'll just come in and I'll have my slate of meetings for the day and, and we'll go through them. And oftentimes you can help people in ways that you never you don't think of as a legislator. You know, we're not it's not always about passing bills. Um, sometimes we can contact agencies and get mistakes worked out. Um, we can contact local government entities. Sometimes just shining the light on the subject gets the right attention to the issue yeah. so that they're victim to <clears throat> bureaucracy. Um, one, some years ago, a lady called me and her son was a quadriplegic. Mm-hmm. Um, and the state agency here locally for responsible for benefits um, on the Medicaid side, had attributed his the expenses that he used for his guide dog, um, his assistance dog. They said, "Well, you've 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 you spent too much money. Um, your asset threshold is too high. We need to turn your benefits off." Oh um, my God! Well, as it turns out, the individual that made that decision was mistaken. That wasn't the way that the law reads, but it was an honest mistake. But still, um, it was done from what I gather very abruptly. And I, I got a phone call from from the mother. We called the agency and had things restored within 24 hours. You know, there are things like that all of the time. And then there are some times when you try and sometimes you can't always get the result the constituent wants. But what you find is that by trying and working hard, that's what they really want to see. If you don't get a good result, um, they're still grateful that you tried. Right. Uh, And that that because we'll get people who will come my way um, from other individuals in government that maybe don't want to deal with the issue. Right. Um, we'll always take them, um, some of the, the toughest constituent cases. And if the answer at the end of the day is, this is what we tried to do, but we can't help them, that will be the answer. And that's a difficult thing about politics because most people, I'm not going to say most, many people in elected office don't ever want to say no because it's a hard thing to say no. Yeah, right, <laughs> uh, right. So we try not to say no, but sometimes you have to say no. Well, and I think, you know, again, that just, that's, that's, I'm sure that when you heard the thing about the guide dog, like your 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 first, <clears throat> you know, when you're when you're just Kevin Bacon, not the senator guy sitting at home, you know, smoking a cigar. I'm kidding. Um, but but you know, hanging out or whatever. Like you know, like you're like, man, that that's ridiculous that that happened, right? Like we got to get this fixed. Like you really care. And that's that's what I again, I want to stress that that, you know, that, you know, you're a human being like just like I am, just like Jill is. And, and you know, like you care about other people and that's what it's about. So um, what so what's so you're you're getting out of um, you're, you're no longer going to be a state senator. Um, are you still allowed to be called senator or is it former senator? <laughs> As you know, my time in elected office, I'm around a lot of elected officials and former elected officials. And I use, when I'm talking to others, um, I use the more formal route. And that is, I call them by their, 
your highest elected office. So if I see Greg Lasheka, and I do see Greg Lasheka, I still call him mayor. Okay. Um, if I see Joanne Davidson, I still call her speaker. Okay. That is the, um, I bumped into a state representative that was 96 years old that hadn't served in 40 years up in Defiance, Ohio years ago, and I called him representative. Wow. That's just the way I handle it. Now, that said, you've always known either when I'm in office or out of office, yeah. you can call me Kevin, you can call me whatever you want. I will not be offended. But right. when I deal with others, I always, that's, I do it. I use that formality. Yeah. It's a respect thing. Let me ask you, have you ever been to the white house? Um, I have, um, now I've been through multiple times. I haven't had like a personal, you know, tour with the president or, or anything like that, but I've been through it, um, quite a few times. Been to any dinners there? Any, anything like that? I wish I could tell you that I did. Yeah. Um, no, I've never had, uh, uh, never had dinner at the White House. I've been able to to, to meet some very fascinating people um, in elected office um, and uh, and do a lot of great things. Although I'll tell you, it was it is fun when you go out to Washington D.C. because what you know when John Boehner was speaker, um, he's from Ohio, and uh, so when I would go out to Washington D.C. for something, conferences or work or whatever. Um, I would always stop by his office because you, you don't know how long speakers a tough job. You don't know how long that's going to last. Right. So I always enjoyed going out and going up and talking to his staff and meeting with people and learning a little bit about what they do, um, you know, while I was out there. Um, and um, occasionally he'd even come out and talk. I think once he came out and talked to us right after meeting with uh, President Obama and, and Nancy Pelosi. So um, I tried to uh, learn as, as much as I can and do some of those things while you know, while I can, uh, while I can get the access. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Jill, my wife, Jill is on here and says, uh, have you been in the West wing? <laughs> I haven't, but I know plenty of people that have. Yeah. Yeah. That there worked in the white house and we've got people from Ohio working out there right now. So. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, it's exciting that now, because you haven't been in, um, private practice your law practice exclusively in a long time that's right that's like, right i'll be i'll be full-time private sector yeah after the year maybe you'll start but, making some big money now <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah. now um but when i started running for office i never planned on just continuing to go back and forth from the house and the senate yeah you, know, you get to a point i love the work but when you go to the House of Representatives, you have two-year terms. It means you spend every other year running, running for your, you know, running for re-election. Right. Um, I have three daughters, three teenage daughters, um, and the two at St. Francis de Sales and one at Immaculate Conception. Yeah. Um, so you know, you get to a, a certain point where um, holding two jobs and managing a family um, and running for office every other year um, gets a little more difficult. Yeah. Um, if it was just me, then that would be one thing, but I have a lot of other people to, to take care of too. So. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, man, I'm, um, I, I want to finish with this one question. Mm -hmm. And I ask everybody this, and, and, you know, I don't think, you know, I don't know that you've ever been through it, but I have. I've, I, I didn't go to college, didn't have the, 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 the great father figure growing up, so... You know, I I I um I put myself in situations where you know the electric bill was getting ready to be shut off because I hadn't paid it, and and or I've had a car repossessed or what. So so if somebody came to you and they said, um, you know, 
take the senator out of it, take all of that out, and they just said, Kevin, uh, you know, my electric's getting shut off. I, I, I you know, I, I lost my car. My business is, is just failing, and I don't know what to do, um, and I'm just in a bad place mentally. What would you say to that person, not give them, but what would you say to them to help them over that hump, that mental hump that they need to get over? Well, when, when someone's facing a challenge like that, what I would convey is it, I can't I, I can't just say it in a phrase or two, yeah. but there are lev- levels to that. Obviously, the dedication, the determination, you have to have the will and the desire to figure it out. So sometimes people in that situation get so overwhelmed, they don't know where to start. Right. So my my words, my coaching, my words of encouragement would be to sit down and, OK, let's go. You, you have to do an analysis. You have to go. I wouldn't be able to tell, give that person an answer without knowing more about them. Right, uh, right. Maybe for someone, it's about sitting down, let's get your job figured out, your budget figured out, and create a plan to execute. Um, you know, and others, they might be at a point, well, bankruptcy and move on and do other things. So right, right. For, for people to be able to self-analyze, sometimes you get to a place where it's like logs on a fire. You don't even know where the fire's coming from anymore. And, <laughs> right. You know, right. you get... You, to a point where it all just gets muddled together, mm-hmm. uh, but and, and people tend to not to go back and think, you know, in specifics. How much do I make? What are my bills? Um, how can I find a job? Who can I reach out to talk to? Yeah. Uh, put the pen on the paper and go back. Um, in, in addition to the encouragement, but actually creating a, a plan on how to get through that hurdle. And sometimes, unfortunately, Ken, in people's life, it's a controlled fall. Yeah, um, you know. No one would, would want to have to file bankruptcy, for example, but sometimes you get to a point where you have to start over and then start fresh. Yeah. Uh, so you never like to tell someone it's a controlled fall, and you hope not, but sometimes um, that's a possible you know, path that, you know, um, to go down that's better than something worse. So um, it, it's all just about analyzing the situation and a lot of encouragement and dedication um, to, to make things right for you and your family and everyone else that, uh, you know, around you. Well, but I, you know, uh, and again, you've been through it. Like you just recently went through a controlled fall. <laughs> like yeah, you, you, you lost the congressional race or for the, the primaries, right? You didn't, you, primary, didn't that's right. you didn't win. And, and so it's like, had you won that the primary, you, you would have been campaigning all this time for the election had you won the election, you'd be moving on to a, a, a you know a totally different thing than what you're planning on now. So I think the point I'm trying to make is that that it doesn't matter what happens. What what matters is how you respond to it. That's right. That's right. Because you're always going to have things in life that don't turn out the way you want. Right. Um, and if you've ever <clears throat> if you've ever heard Tim Kite, if you ever, if you ever watched Tim Kite, uh, you're yeah. not. So he, he'll teach you. I know I don't have a lot of time here, but everything that he teaches on is based on the only thing you can control sometimes is your, you know, your how you react to things. Yeah. Sometimes other things around you, you're just dealt that they're handed to you, yeah. um, but you can control how you respond. Um, and that's that's uh, critically important to be able to uh, mass try to master that one thing in life, the part that you do have the control over. Love it, man. I love it. I've met uh, I've met Brian Kite actually they're 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 phenomenal people, so Kevin, thank you. 
I really appreciate it. I know I harassed you for a long time to come on the show. <laughs> um, but thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're a busy guy. Um, the the message you delivered today was spot on. It was awesome. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on, Ken. Appreciate yeah. it very much. All right. So, hey, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Thank you, Kevin. How can everybody follow you on Facebook? Um, yes, I'm on Facebook. Um, if you just uh, um, – you can find me on Facebook. My personal page is just as good as any. That's where I do most of my posting than a, a government page. And uh, I'm also on uh, on Twitter. Um, Twitter and Facebook are the two ones that I probably use the most. Um, I have a law website as well um, that, that you did. <laughs> I did it. Really? I did it? <laughs> yeah, that's my website. Oh, yeah, up. yeah, yeah. Okay. What yeah. is the what's the website address? God, Kevin Bacon Law, Kevin Bacon Law. Kevin Bacon Law dot com. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've only I've done I, that's the yeah I did one other website in my career. I want to spend my Senate one then because yeah, I right, right. Well, dude, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on. You rock. I appreciate everybody watching. Thank you for all the shares. Chuck Studebaker, my buddy that's running down in uh, down in, 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 in Atlanta or Gwinnett County, he's on here. He said this was awesome. So Good luck, uh, Chuck. If you need anything, let me know. That's a tough, uh, tough race, I'm sure. Dude, I'll, I'll connect you and you and Chuck on Facebook. Maybe you can give him a couple pointers. We'd be more than happy to. Awesome. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate it. Thanks, Kevin. All right. Have we'll nice. see you guys tomorrow. Don't hang up, Kevin. Okay.